Uh, it's uh, it's the it's the Dgens in me. Uh, it's Mike and Steve. How are you guys doing? Hey, good. good. How are you doing? Um, Steve, you're you're in HK, right? You're in Hong Kong. Yeah. And yeah. Um, we're, we're we're like globalizing the degeneracy now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I I I, di- I don't really have a plan for this podcast, but uh, woke up this morning and you know there's this news about the Silicon Valley Bank that is, that has collapsed it is it is um, in full bankruptcy mode right now and I was like huh that's weird well one I, I never heard of the bank until about two weeks earlier and now it's like you know it's all over the news everyone's freaking out about this I spent my entire day working on this. Because and a lot of people I know um, that work in in the finance industry are 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 dealing with this, and it makes me think kind of like back to two thousand seven, late two thousand seven, when we started seeing some of those like more fringe lenders, like lower on the totem pole of mortgage lending, just kind of like SVB is sort of lower on the totem pole of banking uh, in terms of size. Uh, you know, like new new century, and I don't know. There was another one that imploded, and I remember, you know, I had just switched over to doing structured finance at that time, and then new century went went belly up. Actually, before I even got to the new firm, and I remember asking um, the hiring partner, like, "Hey, do I do I still have a job?" You know, and I remember the response. You know, the response was like, "Oh, come on, these this this is a small you know lender, like the, you know, very very small part of our." portfolio and you know they they mostly did the subprime stuff uh it's a tiny fraction of the market don't don't you know i wouldn't worry about it americans are always going to need mortgages and then about a year later you know the entire economy uh the entire uh mortgage lending industry shut down uh yeah. and and you know we know what happened the firm the firm disappeared anyway it just made me think of that so i figured you guys want to just kind of I'd kind of like to pick your guys' brain about what where you think we are in the not necessarily just with SVB, but like it, you know. I guess the major question I have is like: Are we confront? Are we on our way? Are we in a vortex or on a downward slope, heading towards some sort of singular crisis? So, um, the interesting thing is, you know, I, I personally have been expecting some kind of, uh, you know, event where a lot of startups basically just run, either run out of money or go out of business for other reasons. Um, I don't think anyone really thought that this would precipitate in something that transpired over the, you know, the course of 24 hours. Uh, so, I mean, in terms of trend, this is following the trend that has been going on for the last basically year to year and a half. If you just look at the layoff numbers and the lack of VC funding um, for further rounds of uh, uh, venture capital. Um, but I don't, I don't think anyone really expected uh, a good old fashioned bank run to like. Yeah, it's where you least expect it. <laughs> yeah, this yeah. is like 1800s kind of yeah. phenomenon, right? Well, and, well I think, Teen, like you, you were talking about how this has like in 08, it started with the smaller guys, right? And like the path that we took to get yeah. here. And I think mm-hmm. that's 
that's actually very much on point. If you think back to, well, I'll make two comments. If you think back to 2006, like I, I, I don't remember the, the news entry stuff. I was just kind of like just starting my career back then. But I remember um, in, I think it was March of 07, uh, or possibly March of 08. Yeah, I think it was March of 08. Like it, it really started with some of these like more s- smaller subprime finance companies. And also uh, there were the two two very specific Bear Stearns uh, subprime funds that ran into trouble first. Was that the beast? The was it called? Was it BCM? I, I don't remember the BCM exactly. funds. Yeah, I don't remember. I kind of remember that. It was and, and Bear Stearns was then a the smallest investment bank, right? And at least then it was only part of their portfolio, and it was a, sort of the shadiest part of their portfolio. Of course, we yeah. and, and J.P. Morgan stepped in to plug the to plug the hole at the time, and they kind of took over it and stuff like that. But as we know, it grew from there, right? That's that's number one. Number two is that <clears throat> um, this. Wait, so you are drawing? So you are saying that this 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 has that that this sort of has the same vibe. feeling of like maybe this could snowball? Yeah, that's, I, that's, I, I I think so because also this this Silicon Valley Bank thing like. Um, I, 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 I can't find a tweet now and I haven't, I haven't followed because I've been traveling. I haven't followed this super, super closely, but, uh, that they, I had seen that they had put a lot of their assets into longer dated treasuries at some point. Yeah. Like uh, 10 years plus. Years. Um, yeah. and more and a terrible, terrible trade, right? Because long dated treasuries have lost probably 20, 30% of their value over the last couple of years. So they basically just, you know, uh, top tick that market and have been on a money losing spree ever since then these are hold to maturity securities in the banking book but you know with these kinds of interest rates moves if you mark those assets to market you've basically wiped out your entire capital buffer meaning if you realize the loss by selling it realize the loss that's right that's right which they had to do because (laughs) it sounded like you know one of the reasons i mean they had to redeem uh they had to redeem deposits right because depositors were leaving the bank Yeah, right. I saw a figure. I saw a figure that said forty-two billion dollars of deposits fled the bank in like the that's last right. twenty-four hours. Of, but now you realize that in the run. But I mean, it, but it, but that's that's the final stage of the run. But yeah. in in the yeah. beginning, also, I mean, I would have to think that the reason that their deposit base that people were either pulling money out was because VCs were pulling back activity. And the reason that that happened is because of rising interest rates. Rising yes. rates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's then a, the rising point. interest rates were also destroying the value of uh, their balance sheet, uh, you know, to the extent that they were investing in, like you said, 10-year treasuries or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so they had wrong way risk. But no one really thought of this because that's the scary thing this time is like, at least in 2008, in the financial crisis, we could point to a certain kind of risk management malfeasance. I mean, everyone, anyone who's watched, you know, Big Short or Margin Call knows that, you know, there were risk managers that were asleep at the wheel because they didn't really look through and see that these securities were backed by trash, right? right. And this so the lesson... Treasuries. Yeah, here so we're talking about the most risk, you know, well, I guess they mean credit risk, right? But I mean, the most, the risk, quote, risk-free asset. That's right. Yeah. And, and by the, the way, this is not the first this is not the first government bond related implosion in this yeah, cycle. UK. The UK pension implosion and the LDI implosion was what about 6 months ago now, right? Yeah, it was like but it was the same thing. It was, it was rapidly rising interest rates. Is that it what was, took out Liz Truss? Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> it was all related to that. It was all related to that, right? Because when she announced when she announced that that fiscal plan 
uh, long dated UK treasuries sold off like massively. And just, you know, I won't get into the details, but the structure of these UK plans put makes them very, very susceptible to that. Uh, and they essentially ran into the equivalent of a bank run, although it's on a pension fund, right? Effectively, the equivalent of a, ban- uh, of a bank run. And they ran into liquidity problems and they essentially had to, uh, they were f- essentially forced sellers of private assets at that point to raise cash, right? So that was number one. That was the first real tremor and implosion as a result of this kind of just broader move towards much higher long-dated interest rates and short-dated interest rates over the last year and a half or so. SIVB is the second. So going back to your point about the snowball, this isn't even the beginning. Like you could argue that we're gathering steam now because it's not a pension fund that's that's kind of like taking the hit. Pension funds, the thing with pension funds is that they're like, they're not levered to the same extent and they're not systemic to the, in the same way that a bank would be, right? But now we're talking about a bank. Right, so the the knock on. I mean, the bank being levered in the sense that it's only holding, uh, you know, like a minority of cash relative to the size of their deposit liability. Yeah, it's fractional. That's right. That's right. And the other thing with the pension fund is like pensioners can't like all demand their money out of it, you know, right now. Right. You can't can't have like a pension run. Yeah, like part part of the part of the dynamic of this run was that SVB was so concentrated in one or two industries like tech and and biotech and life sciences and stuff. But then also um, a lot of the startups were referred to SVB by their venture capitalists. So like once a bank run starts, the rumor that a bank run is starting, it kind of feeds on itself. And and since the community of depositors is so small, like these people are literally just texting each other, (laughs) right? Like several thousand startup founders and treasury or, uh, you know, sort of like the people who control the money can just start texting each other and texting their funders. And <clears throat> and this thing will just spiral out of control in like a matter of hours, which is exactly what happened. So it's it's just concentrated. It, the, the risk was so concentrated in like two or three different ways that this thing just completely got out of hand, you know, in less but than though, a day. In a, though in a way, I mean, that's actually reassuring to me if the problem is bank runs because... Bank runs are like localized problems, right? Because yeah. if you if you run away from SVB, if you pull all our, like if a company is like, oh fuck it, we're pulling the plug, we're pulling all our money out of SVB. You know what they're going to do? They just turn around and put it in Wells Fargo, yeah. right? And and SVB was probably putting it in Wells Fargo, so so they're they're probably there's probably just a circularity to it, and the, yeah, then the issue is just SVB. But it's also it's also leverage, right? So I mean the the the, the problem would be if. Uh, somehow, like the the bank you put it in is also cross exposed to SVB or something like that, right? But if there wasn't too much of that, then then it could rough. It could just end there, right? Yeah, you know, some, some people lose some money, but it's not it's not sort of like leveraged systemic to the same extent. It, I feel like the lesson from the lesson from the past is like you will never be able. I mean, the reason. You can't predict the next crisis is because if you could predict it, it wouldn't happen, right? Yeah. So it's kind of yeah. like um, I don't know. I'm, it's like we're always solving the last crisis, and the yeah. next one is di- is going to be different. It just kind of emerges out of <laughs> out of nothing. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's kind of like uh, you know, if you if you see like um, I don't know, it's like covering a book with like plastic, and you get bubbles, and you try to squeeze the bubbles out. You know, it's going to go somewhere, <laughs> go somewhere right? Else. You can't you can't 
get, yeah, you're just squish. You're just pushing the uh, the problem somewhere else. But I think like you can look at macro, like the macro environment, and maybe not. You can, I, I don't think you can like billiard ball your way from this to like, you know, what's going to happen. But it does seem like the problem is that, like you said, there's a lot of leverage out there. And things blow up when you have a lot of leverage and debt and rapid rise and rates rising rates. Yes. And yeah, I, think, I mean, that's I think the, the big problem. I think the biggest risk right now is how many other banks out there uh, have gotten themselves in, this, in a similar situation, but just aren't talking about it, right? Like, Because they don't want to be, run. Yeah, they want to run. Like they don't, they just are just going to keep quiet, basically. I mean, it sounds like invest, the equity markets are call, call, trying to call, are, are calling their bluff because even the even the big four banks you know the the, the city banks and the jp morgans of the world their banking the, their stocks have taken a huge hit over the yeah. over the yeah, they have, last they have. 3 days although or so. I, I would say like the broader equity market has been kind of okay i think s&p's probably down 2 2 and a half since this all kicked off which is not not crazy yeah it's like 17 18% off the off the all time high something like that yeah yeah but i mean we finished yeah, I, I just mean like sort of in the, in the last few days, right? Because we finished last year down 20 some odd, um, mostly on the back of tech. This time, financials have a relatively small weight in the S&P as well. So it, it's, it seems relatively contained, but I think some of that is, it's like if you look at the behavior in, in fixed income markets uh, and also in, in FX and, 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 and other markets that has um, come about in the last few days, there's definitely a pricing in of, okay, now the Fed has to slow down. Because if they don't, they will implode the system. And here's the here's the real crack now. The UK, yeah, the Fed could just be like, well, whatever. Yeah, that's that's, that's, that's your problem. That's their problem. Yeah. Now this problem is is affecting what is probably the most important bank in the American startup economy, which is still it a pretty is. substantial part of the economy. Yeah, and it yeah, cracked. Well, well, and it cracked for, I mean, directly because of the rate hikes right. it, it sounds right. like it like it what i mean it would be a totally different thing if it was like you know a lupi enron situation and <laughs> svb just had a a, a problem with uh, you know there being well, they were um, just like running a fraud yeah you know that's like whatever nobody cares like i mean not nobody cares but like, nobody cares, but just, that's yeah, not gonna that, that's a that's a unique problem yeah but this was like this bank doesn't seem to have done anything wrong like i said except that the fed has been jacking up rates and you're right. This prob this is this is probably like the first like major cup to fall off the shelf, you know, while they're jumping around. Yeah. And it shattered in in a million pieces and they're probably like, "Oh shit. Uh could a larger bank have similar problems?" You know. Uh, yeah, could a larger yeah, I think, bank I think the risk could this affect the real economy in a deep way. Well, yeah, so I think the risk in the next couple of weeks is like literally tens of thousands of people may get their payrolls furloughed or or something. And if they can't figure this out within a week or two, you know, California has very strict labor laws regarding payroll. So potentially tens of thousands of people could get laid off because their funds that uh, would have supplied payroll are just not accessible. And dude, like the 250K available on Monday or whatever that the FDIC is saying, you know, that's like one paycheck for a team of engineers yeah. um, in a company. So if if they don't, if 
I mean, I, I'm seeing people saying that, oh, you know, they'll find a buyer and this thing will just get papered over. And, you know, I I don't know. I I think that's kind of wishful thinking. And, and, oh, and by the way, speaking of payrolls, there are also payroll companies like outsourced HR and payroll companies that used SVB as the, uh, as, as the intermediary for um, paychecks. So if they can't, even operationally, it's probably, yeah, just operationally, like getting the money to the employee's pockets. If they can't fix this in a very timely fashion, it could be there could be some kind of a chain reaction. You know what's so funny about what you're saying? Not funny. It's not funny, but it, it it is. But what's what's interesting is it's another example of how we're always solving the last crisis. Because if this was Wells Fargo, we wouldn't have this issue. Because if it was Wells Fargo, we would we would do a bailout over right. the weekend. They would bail out <laughs> Wells yeah. Fargo, but they can't bail out SVB. They're too small. They don't have the legal authority to bail out a, like a small regional bank. So, so the, the you know, they're not like us. Like, uh, I'm actually curious because you're probably closer to this than I am. But like the small regional banks operate under like a different charter, essentially, right? Like yeah, they don't have a national. They're not. It's not an they're NA. Not, they're not the Fed window. Yeah, and and the other problem is that you know, in order to conduct a bailout, they have to be, uh, you know, they have to be. Is it the tagged by the Federal Reserve as as systemically important? Yeah, okay, okay. So it's a SIFI. Okay, okay. Right. So the whole lesson, I guess, yeah, it's a SIFI thing. The whole lesson from the financial crisis was the problem are these large, massive banks because they're so big that they will take down the economy if they go. And right. so we are going to craft rules that and, and create tools to <clears throat> bail out SIFIs, the, the biggest of the big. And so yeah. the next thing that happens is like, okay, well, what about a medium-sized bank that's like one-tenth the size? Yeah, we just looked up right. the assets, right? They're about one-tenth the size of a city group. Yeah. Not small enough that they can't get bailed out, but big enough that they might really fuck up yeah. a really very important part of the economy, which is Silicon yeah. Valley. Yeah. And that, that just shows you like you can – you everything you try to fix, it will just find uh, – you know, you know, it will find its way through. <laughs> but in some other way, you know, where you weren't looking. So, yeah, I mean, I, I was looking at uh, Twitter and, and people were posting pictures of lines outside of SVB branches all over the country. Um, and recently, I mean, they, they, they had made a push recently into like wealth management and mm. personal finance by buying a couple of other uh, like Boston Private Bank. Um, like I was telling you guys, the, the branch of Boston Private Bank here in Santa Monica was taken over by SVB. So as of now, like a, a whole bunch of people's like personal wealth <laughs> is, is also, it's not just like a startup corporate thing. It's also, you know, going to be quite a few people's actual personal money tied up in this thing. Yeah. It's pretty wild. I, I don't know. I, 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 I mean, in terms of that, like I, I don't think that anyone should ever be worried about their deposits. That's my opinion. I think, if, if if we got to the point where a bank depositor lost a cent uh, in the system, it would be very problematic. Yeah, that, that's a complete lack of faith, you, right? Yeah, what the insured limits or whatever, like, uh, yeah, two fifty k, fine. So, but so like, you're the view that like if I had if I had like five million dollars or ten million dollars in there, that I'd be made whole by the FDIC or the Fed? Somehow? Yes. They would, fi- yes. they would figure out a way. I mean, dude, if you, if you lost millions of dollars in the banking system because they were just like, eh, we're not going to deal with this, like that the, would be a major... Yeah, the, mor- the moral I, hazard I, I, outcome of it? that is way too... It's way too severe. 
I get they it. They will bail. They'll bail there, out depositors like for such sure. Such a political impetus right now of, of just like, you know, it, it'll just be like fuck the rich, right? Why shouldn't you suffer? Because people already went through. Oh wait. Oh, but okay. But when it comes to the the soundness of the financial system, they don't give a shit about that. They they I, like when 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 this is my this is my belief when the the when the chips fall the yeah, united states fall. understands that the the soundness of the financial system is absolutely critical because the only real systemic risk that we have ex, the only real existential risk the us faces is financial in nature the, our our biggest weakness is a 2008 financial crisis that that's the thing that really puts the fear of god into I, yeah i mean I'm, I'm definitely inclined in that direction I, I, maybe i'm like less confident but I, i'd be curious to, like what you would say to like how would you reconcile that if you even think it needs to be necessarily reconciled against for example after the russia invasion going after the private deposits of russian individuals they're pushing the envelope this is, yeah because you know it's the same thing about public faith in the American banking system to make you whole. It's it, to me, it's kind of similar. So I, I'm just curious what you're Yeah, but are. it doesn't, that doesn't affect us citizens, right? That yeah. they're, right, so they're just, making yeah, it. Then it then, but if you just restricted to citizens. Like one of the strength, like, look, the, this whole idea of exorbitant privilege is that it's not only us citizens that trust the us it's, it's foreigners do as well. Yeah. Right? I, th- I mean, I think there's a global consensus that that wasn't the smartest move. But it's wartime, and people make really dumb decisions. Yeah, that's right. But then, if you accept that, decision. if you accept yeah. that, then for the politics, you can make an economically stupid decision. Why couldn't that happen again here? Oh, because 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 yeah. The, look, if if it's like financial, you know, stability of the financial system um, versus uh, you know the national security state, the NATSEC sector of the state. You know they're going to have a fight. The NATSEC people are going to get their way sometimes, you know. But if it's a, you know if it's coming down to like American yeah, okay, depositors, sure. Yeah, sure. okay, okay, you know, fine. there's no there's no countervailing okay. interest in letting that guy there's get no, screwed over. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's so, fair. Um, yeah. So I I just don't think people need to worry about their deposits or whatever. Um, no, I don't. I don't think the deposits are going to vanish. But I mean, I think the the process of getting this shit untangled yeah, it's gonna be might a take a while. It's yeah. going to, it's going to take a lot longer than people think. Yeah. And in the meantime, to sort out all the cash flow, like, yeah. And, and payment in the mean- flows and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. And, and in the meantime, I don't, I don't think a lot of these companies that were banking at SVB can survive that kind of pause okay. on, at you know, on, on, especially in this money. environment where they're probably cash strapped. Yes. Yeah. And, nobody's, and, nobody's and a lot of them now, right? Like for sure. Yeah, they don't they don't have like active revenue streams that they can just switch over like just point the stream at another bank like most mature companies do. They they are they get you know, they get cash infusions from their VCs on whatever yeah. schedule they've worked out, you know, in their in their equity uh deal. And you know, what you know, unless those VCs can just come up with a fuckload of money all of a sudden from who? to shove into a new bank, like that it's going to be a problem. They're going to have to do layoffs. Do you think like the, the really big tech coasts, like the Fangs, would go on a shopping spree here, just picking up distressed assets? Yeah, they might. I mean, they might do acquisition or, uh, you know, acquire is the, mm-hmm. the, the, the industry term. 
They yeah. might, but I mean, I don't know, dude. Like, there's going to be this is like thousands of firms, right? So it's sure. yeah. like you got to get in line. You got to do the due diligence process. Oh, and by the way, we we can't even like access. <laughs> like, don't I don't even know if you could log into SVB.com and like look at your you know yeah. do your financials. I mean, like, this, I this is going to be really. Knows? It's going to be really interesting, right? Like, I think right now, uh, S S uh, SVB has been in essentially like agent smithed into some kind of newly created um federal yeah it's some national holdings or like wind up bank or something like that what was it called it was like the fdic fdic national the national bank, bank of uh clara. yeah the, like the F- fdic bank. national bank of santa clara which is santa clara yeah. it's a it's a new bank it's it's just a shell and it's I mean, just they, i guess you know, it's like could just say okay everybody who has a deposit at svb now has an equivalent deposit at, at this bank and this bank will be able to repo any government bond asset at the Fed window for face value, not market. And then the problem just immediately goes away, right? From a liquidity perspective, because there's a hole, right. but you've but, just rolled that hole out for like 20 years. Well, how, how fast can that happen though? Like what's the, I think, I think it's pretty fast because this is a classic, weekend. this is such a classic bank run. Like yeah. this is what the FDIC was built for. Right. Um, you know, I don't think there's like that many, like, complications to this one yeah. um yeah so they should i think they should be able to handle it pretty well this is like they're this is like a fucking textbook fdic receivership kind of like wamu like wamu this is the second largest bank failure in american history um which goes to show you that the u.s banking system doesn't have any bank failures uh the largest was wamu back in oh mm. eight or oh nine i think and, you know you didn't really hear much about People. They got rolled into what Chase? I guess I don't. I don't. I don't you know, that's the thing. I mean, like nobody remembers. Bigger and bigger. Nobody really remembers the largest. Like people are like, oh, the largest bank failure in U.S. history. Only a handful of people would even remember what Washington Mutual was. Didn't didn't Washington Mutual? They did a whole bunch of like fake loans and shit. I'm not. Like, I'm not sure. Mortgages yeah. or some kind of. It's always some bank that right. like. Is out uh, sort of like in, on the west in the western region, like uh, they do a lot of work. In, I don't know. I feel like a lot of them are like based around Arizona, and they there's always like an NBA arena with their name on it. <laughs> 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 Some bank I've never heard of. <clears throat> anyway, um, and uh, yeah, so so I don't know. I I feel like this is not an isolate. This is definitely not an isolated incident. I think, yeah. I mean, I, look, the, the, this has, we have experienced the largest I- increase in interest rates almost in recorded history. The largest, fastest, the largest and fastest, like some combination yeah. of, of big and fast, right? Is that right? It's, it's, it's faster than um, it's the, it's the, the Volcker era? Yeah, it's, it's faster than, sure. I think it is definitely faster than the Volcker era, not larger, yeah. but it's definitely faster. And like, it, it might not technically be as fast as someone like, uh, I don't know, maybe during like the Great Depression or something like that from a, from a real race perspective. But back then, you know, it was like a gold standard and it was maybe not directly comparable. Um, but when you layer that on with the much higher amount of debt in the economy today. Yes. Right. And the greater, much, much greater leverage, in a sense, 100 basis points is not 100 basis points anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. Comparing yeah. historically. Right. So you have that problem as well. So I think. Because like, it's really not just those. So you're saying it's not just the rates; 
it's the scale of yeah, so the like employment rates. of that rate. That's right. It's like changing yeah. change in interest rates times the amount of debt. Yeah, it's right. the the, surf, the surface area the is a lot bigger. In, surface area, yeah. Right. Yep. <clears throat> That's the increase in the amount of debt service that has to that has to happen. Now, on the flip side, a lot you of say we're fucking with forces that we're not used to fucking with. I mean, even yeah, I mean, this, even, this, a, this, even yeah, in 08, I mean, uh, even in 08, I, the situation is almost scarier in a way because in 08 we, the, you know, we still had non-zero rates. They were able to respond by increasing liquidity and they just could take inflation out of the out of the picture they didn't have to think about it yeah inflation was not a problem it was like the it wasn't a problem and so the, every deflation. tool yeah yeah and the, you know the thing is that uh the average american hurt got hurt by 08 by the financial crisis very badly mm-hmm. but the reality is all things considered they fixed the problem right or at yeah. least they plugged the hole. They plugged and the they did it out. relatively quickly and efficiently. And uh, the problem now is that uh, we are we never well, they, got our asses off of the zero floor. Yeah, they, they fixed they fixed they fixed the problem by applying a solution that had to be continuously applied forever, basically. Yes. yes. And then we well, hit now the we're floor. trying to unapply that solution today. Now we're trying it, to unapply it. Yeah, <laughs> and and then, but then the same thing happens. We get There's more, a problem. We get more financial institution failures. Yeah. <laughs> so it's all it's all fucking it's terrifying in a way. And now I, we're I, in a much I, more I situation because now you have inflation to worry if, about. If this, if this well, okay, so I I just want to point out one thing though that uh, a lot of corporates have termed out a lot of their debt, a lot of their debt, right? So uh, the increase in interest rates isn't really like necessarily biting too many of them directly yet, right? Because they 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 sort of fixed, like, you know, like many people who took out that's for their existing dated fixed rate mortgages at the lows. A lot of corporates also did the sort of same extend and fix kind of thing, right? So it like mutes that yeah. a little bit, right? It's, it's going to take more time, and it's not going to be like instant implosion. So there is that countervailing force, but. I, I I I do want to just point out if somehow tech bros are going to create like the second fin- global financial crisis through being generally um, refusing to learn the lessons of the first global financial crisis because of course they're tech bros. I will die of laughter. I will just. Die. <laughs> and the other thing is, uh, if we bring this to crypto now, <clears throat> apparently USDC. Oh yeah, yeah. See, they got Cir- yeah. Circle Circle had a bunch Circle. of deposits at at SVB. <laughs> yeah, and apparently, apparently so. Explain what USDC is. Okay, so so USDC is a stablecoin issued yeah. by a company called Circle, okay. and supposedly, well, so so they're, they're audited and their stablecoin issuance is backed by an equivalent amount of US dollars and treasuries. Mm-hmm. Apparently, though, they had some money. Nobody knows how much at SVB. Which means potentially their the backstop to their stablecoin issuance may be less than one to one now. Right. And so and so it it actually that doesn't sound, that it, doesn't sound too that sounds speculative that that's even a problem though. Uh. Well. So they, it is speculative. They, were they shareholders in SVB or, or no, were they just think, depositors? They had, they had, they had deposits there. In SVB. Okay. Yeah. It's like cash yeah, deposits. deposits That's there. okay. That, that <clears> should be fine in my opinion. Well, so there the, the U- yeah. Well, so in, earlier today, USDC actually broke its peg, and I think it's uh-huh. at ninety nine cents or ninety eight cents, something yeah. like that, right yeah. now. So it's yeah. there's definitely 
people trying to either short this thing or whatever. Oh, I mean, like you would just run, right? Like uh, shoot, you know, run first, ask questions later. Yeah, they're just selling. Whether yeah. it's selling yeah. a position or selling <clears throat> short, uh, you know, it yeah. doesn't really matter. People are selling this shit. Yeah, you're like you're um, gonna trade. You're, you're gonna trade it for like USDT or something or Tether or something. Um, just to get until right. just write it out until. And I don't know, maybe Tether will implode too. And also, so apparently BlockFi, this this is where it gets hilarious. BlockFi had like $200 million at SVB also. Okay, what is BlockFi? <laughs> There's so many like block this, fi that. What's BlockFi? Okay, so BlockFi is a company that offered uh, yield, like 10% yields on stablecoin and Bitcoin and whatever deposits. How was the and, yield paid out as just more coin? or uh, No, they would, they would lend it out into the crypto markets and they, they went bankrupt, you know, I don't know, was it three, four months ago? No, but what I mean is if I earn 10% yield on my crypto, what do I get? 10% more crypto or do I get cash? Uh, no, so you could deposit, i.e. USDC there and you would get 10% USDC. More USDC. Oh, wow. Okay, right. so, so technically usually. or theoretically more money. Theoretically more theoretically dollars. More money. Okay. But I mean, yeah. like, like the way that they're getting this is essentially like acting sort of as like a quasi crypto hedge fund, right? So yeah, they were they were lending it out them, through right? they were lending it out through Gemini and all these yeah, like, or or doing like, some yield farming or whatever, right? They were probably yeah. lending to 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 three arrows, right? Y- yeah, th- well, they oh. were they were doing that, I believe, mainly through desks like Gemini that did institutional yeah. crypto yeah. lending. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. fucking speculative purposes, <clears throat> but um, but yeah. Anyways, they went they went bankrupt, and now you know they, they have a um, they're going through the process of bankruptcy and recovering, <laughs> quote unquote, recovering uh, depositor funds. But now they're just they just got hit with this SVB situation. So I don't know how that's going to work out. It's a fucking shit show. Yes. I mean, it's, you know. Like there's so many interconnected parts in this sector of the economy, like the whole tech slash fintech slash crypto markets that it's just really hard to tell what the hell is actually going on. And it it doesn't really matter so long as money, new money is being brought into these systems. Right. Like these systems are super complicated and maybe creaky, but as long as new money is coming in, they're fine. As long as the flow is going in the right direction. But if you cut off the flow or if you turn the flow down, a lot of that stuff starts to fall apart. Then you're fucked. It's like like motor oil in in an engine, right? Like as long as there's oil there, things will run. But as soon as you shut off the oil pump, it's going to seize up and blow up. Yeah. 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 Thank goodness it's the weekend. Yeah, it's going to be a long weekend. The classic, the classic, you know, bank run, bank receivership is on a Friday. Yeah, like right. When it should happen, I remember because, yeah. like, we did um, when I was at the government, we did um, uh, a war game scenario where we pretended some made up balance bank with a balance sheet that was a cross between, like, you know, Chase and City or whatever. Yeah, went bankrupt on a Friday, and then we had to pretend it was the weekend and what they were going to do and all this stuff and. Um, that's you know they're probably they're they're actually doing that now, yeah. Um, and you know I don't know at some level, uh, at some level you know it, I I almost think like because we can't quite nail down like what is the core issue here like what like this is to me is a signal of something. 
it's a signal to me like that there is some like fundamental contradiction going on in these financial in our financial system like svb should just it just shouldn't it just shouldn't this shouldn't happen if there's no there was no clear you know fuck up you know it just shouldn't happen so something happened in the conditions to make this happen and i've got to think that the the situation for the financial system at large is more precarious than it was during the mortgage crisis that's my feeling whereas do you know like doesn't michael Bur- uh, is it michael burry or whoever um, the big short guy calls it the the sort of everything bubble. Yeah, yeah. Whereas 08 was a mortgage real estate bubble. He was like, "Yeah, it's an everything bubble now. It's the equity markets. It is real estate again. Yeah. Uh, it's it everything. This time. It is crypto. Yeah. Well, crypto. I mean, it's even in used. It's even in used cars. Used cars. <laughs> Watches. Yeah. yeah. Probably like freaking Birkin bags and, and and stuff like that. Yeah. Real like the and real and by real estate. You know, like I, you know, I, I, my office is right across the street from one of these like ultra luxury buildings. Yeah. Um, you know, right in Midtown Manhattan, and I have a view into the windows are you know floor to ceiling. I can see into the condos, completely empty, but I'm sure they're owned. You know, they, people mm. just they buy like rich people just buy these like super expensive real estate. They don't. They never even go inside. Not once. It's like buying yeah. stock or, or mean, the they, art market. They do, that, you know? they do that because interest rates are low, right? Like it's it's literally like oh, okay, like five years ago, let's say, right? You know, rates are one and or zero, and I'm just gonna and I'm flush with money, and I'm just gonna be like, well, where do I put this cash? It's like yeah, you know, you just buy some buy some real estate, right? They just shoved it into that for like ten years. And a lot of that money went into like unprofitable, very, very long duration tech companies, i.e. startups. And it is in a, in or, a way it's not surprising. Are such people, are such people gonna get fucked? Value bank that is imploding. Do you do you who's gonna get fucked by this? Like as this thing gets bigger I mean, and I can, you know, who, I can who's gonna get I fucked? I can tell you already that I mean the, the the software engineers and project managers and like HR people who worked at tech startups and made way more money than they were actually worth. They're, what they're, were they making, they're, by the way? Like, dude, what, 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 what were they making at a place like okay? So the way like it works, Facebook or Amazon or whatever. The way it works is every salary tier is just under the marginal tax bracket ratings mm, by the okay. IRS. So if you're entry level, I believe the first. Uh, first tax bracket cuts off at like 160 something thousand. So your base salary is probably gonna be around 150 to 160, and then the rest is and then the rest is stock and exactly. options and yeah, RSUs stuff, and yeah. all that stuff, which is not taxed, right? Because you don't unless you exercise or are granted some, you know, some special kind of option. I, I don't believe it's taxed. There's no taxable event until you exercise. No, right until you sell or exercise. V- or vesting is not taxable. Yeah. Now, if if you're well, okay. So if you're, yeah, if you're, um, I don't actually know the, I don't actually know the laws around this, but there there are certain events where when you're granted the option, there is a taxable thing. But I think there is some kind of deferment that you can file with the IRS. But either way, you shouldn't be taxed 
at full at full freight on on the compensation you get. Oh, okay. And so so that's a way around you know that that's how they generally structure their comp levels. Um, but anyways, so point being, give me a simple answer. Like yeah, so taking like, all, all the fucking stock and all that stuff into account, you know, everything. Assuming everything's going well in the stock market, a bunch, making, uh, what are they making? A bunch of middle managers and junior engineers are going to get really fucked. They're going to get cut mercilessly, and the people who actually are the, are, is their stock comp going to be worthless? That kind of thing. I mean, their options might be worthless. There's, you know, their stock comp. I mean, you could buy. I mean, I don't know that 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 depends on where the Nasdaq goes in the next mm-hmm. couple of years. But I mean, but but the point is, those are the first people to get cut in any kind of, and it's been happening, right? Like all these worthless middle managers and you know PMs that don't do anything, they're already getting laid off. Yeah, I've been looking at uh, you know just just on Twitter, like a lot of these um, recruiters are saying that their recruitment pipelines are just fucking blown out. There's like hundreds and hundreds of applications for every position that they uh, advertise. Mm. So it's already getting tough out there. That's good. Uh, for, a class I, of, for a class of worker that I, I think uh, American public at large doesn't really have much sympathy for. Yes. No, this, of course I, not. This is, this is the same thing in a lot of ways, I think, that finance went through after 08. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fucking yeah, banksters, the, right? Yeah, no, nobody gives yeah. a fuck about the finance or tech people. Yeah, which means which makes that I mean that's an important thing because that another lesson from that era was that a bailout is a very politically fraught thing. That's right. Yeah. And so the, it really you know Americans really picked up on you guys are bailing out these fucking bankers that caused the problem, and everyone else got fucked, and then. They're going to have to think about doing that again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this time, though, I don't know. They might. I, maybe the government gets smart and is like, oh, maybe we shouldn't do a bailout. Well, yeah, I mean, the Valley. tech. You know, tech people making fucking TikTok videos about how cushy their jobs are obviously doesn't help the situation. Yeah. yeah. You know, like with finance, people kind of had a general idea that oh, okay, finance people are overpaid, but they weren't like. I gotta appear busy. I gotta appear professional. Yeah, and, no, I can't and, make I mean, a TikTok video about how I sat around the pool and did nothing. Yeah, like, that. like back in 08, like finance people weren't, you know, making yeah, they, videos yeah. about their their cushy ass jobs and their fucking thousand dollar seat dinners and ten thousand dollar fucking parties or whatever. Like it, you know, it. Like I and they were know. and they weren't working from home. These people were were actually working their asses off. Work, they were actually doing a shitload of work. Too. Yes, they were they, actually they, very they fucking busy. The, the yeah. value of the work, but it was a lot of work. Yes, it was. Yeah, so I mean, I I think this time around, I mean, okay, so, I mean, this is very much like it was in two thousand and one, right? Like, tech is going to take it on the nose. There's going to be a shitload of layoffs. There's going to be probably a two to three year winter until the Fed drops rates again. A tech winter, or just like yeah, a, like a, economic like a, winter generally. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure there's going to be a tech winter. I don't know if there's going to be a general recession that lasts two or three years, but I mean, back in 2001, man, it was, it was fucking rough, dude. Like, you know, entire companies just went out of business overnight and Mm -hmm. like a lot of people just left the industry forever. They just did other stuff, you know, like they became mortgage brokers. I know, I know a lot of people left. left Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
like the, the core of the tech industry is people who will, people who like me, who will never do any other job because it just doesn't interest me. Like I'm going to be a tech guy for the rest of my life or until I retire. But in the last, you know, I you're know, not a poolside product manager. No, I'm not. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. So, I actually yeah. do real work. <laughs> um, but, but in, you know, Oh one and, and also in the last four or five years, there were a lot of people who got sucked into tech that, that had no business being there yeah. or being here. And, and they were making people, too much money. And they were I mean, making too much that's money. That's a healthy clean out. That's a healthy clean out, right? That's, yeah. That, I mean, I would like to think so. I mean, hopefully, shit. But you also have to wonder, like, what is the next industry? Don't know. You mean, I, like, what's going to take off the way that... The way that tech um, did after the global financial crisis. Like, mortgages took off. <laughs> like, real estate, being a realtor and a mortgage yeah, broker yeah, and all yeah, that shit. I, yeah, that's right. Because I guess in, in, in uh, the, the, the initial tech crash around, like, 01, right? Like, you basically... You know, it moved from tech to finance, especially in asset-backed stuff, right? And mortgage lending and so on. And then after the financial blow-up, it moved kind of back to tech. I don't know if it can move back to finance. Well, see, here's the problem is that in all of the, this is this is what I'm saying. Like, we're in a fundamentally different thing now where I don't think we can take what happened in 01, between 01 and 08 and extrapolate because in each of those cases – uh we had we we just didn't have issues with we didn't have monetary issues you know we had like fiscal issues and we had you know we had yeah like we had yeah yeah we didn't have fundamental monetary issues where we were dealing with currency debasement yeah like in the past the fed had more bullets to spend Right, but now it's spent those bullets. Which, let me ask you, do you guys believe, like, what's your feeling, what's your belief about inflation? Do you think it is, like, you know, driven by things like, you know, supply chain disruptions or price gouging or, you know, inventories? Or do you think it's, like, more monetary in nature? Where I think it's everything. Mm. All of these things that everyone is debating, whether it's this or that, I think it's everything. It's all of it. It's all of it. Mm-hmm. So, right? Like, you can't. It's both a wave just, and a particle. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, yeah. It, I mean, you can't, like, all of the things that you mentioned, plus, you know, the PPP loans, which injected trillions of dollars into the economy, easy money, supply chains, tensions with China. Like, yeah, dude, like, all of this stuff. Is, is part of it and also credit availability and you know you like you can't point to one thing and say no this has nothing to do with it so, so it, I, I think you know, like, like my, my view on this is that this is largely the result of a extraordinarily strong fiscal stimulus that was brought about around the time of covid and i think there's two main Things that all I the would, stimmy packages and checks. Yeah, that I that would say on that front. If you if you look at the amount of absolute fiscal stimulus that was pushed out in two thousand eight, at two, like oh eight oh nine, right, <clears throat> and compare that to what was pushed out uh, just in the U.S. Um, during COVID and sort of uh, yeah, it's COVID like ten and, times. COVID and, and, and friend, yeah, I don't I don't know if it's ten times, but it's 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 like a multiples. It's multiples in COVID, right. And that's yeah. so that's so just like on the on the firepower side, you're probably talking about four x, five x, maybe more. Um, the second part of that is 
that in 2008, you were a lot of that fiscal stimulus was really just going to offset what was otherwise an extraordinarily disinflationary impulse, i.e. A, a banking sector implosion, right? So there was a massive hole that had to be filled. Whereas in COVID, yes, there was that initial massive hole because the economy just literally stopped, true. But things actually came out of that relatively quickly and the stimulus kept going. And we were going into like a sort of a, a, a massive fiscal stimulus, a rapidly reopening economy, but an unevenly reopening economy. And that's where you get into the supply chain issues. So in other words, the hole that you were filling was not as big and you use five times as much dirt. Yeah. Right? And you, also you know, in, in 20, in, in today's economy, it's way easier just to spend money, period. There's a yeah. hundred different ways you can spend money just sitting at your desk. <clears throat> Whereas in 2008, that wasn't necessarily in, in, true. Including things like Robin Hood, you know, yeah, like, yeah, sure, it, or, or sports gambling or whatever. I mean, yeah. it seems like over like over the course of COVID, like we've turned into a completely degenerate gambling society. Is it me? Yeah. Like well, New York City is like they just keep wanting to build uh, casinos. Like, yeah, it's, you know, it's it's not just gambling. It's like, dude, you could be sitting at your desk or even sitting in your car stuck in traffic and you could spend thousands of dollars at the, you know, like at the touch of a button yeah, yeah. <laughs> on your phone like that. That wasn't yeah. really possible in 2008. Right. Like, mm. you know, iPhones had just come out in 2006 or seven or something. Yeah. And it wasn't it wasn't like you could just buy a hundred things on Amazon while sitting in traffic. Yeah. And, and, and the, 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 I think you're right. And then like the, the astonishing thing in spite of all that is, I mean, okay. So the, so assuming that the SVB failure is not going to be the end of the world, the Ameri the average or the median American household is in the best financial shape of their lives. Right. Because of how strong, that fiscal stimulus was and what it did for their primary asset, which is real estate. Wait, wait, but that that's in the past now, don't you think? I mean, is it isn't well, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, because isn't the average like when the Fed data comes out on this and they'd have the data like isn't the personal savings rate, which skyrocketed during the stimulus? Yeah, the, the you know, savings during, rate during is coming way down, but I'm talking savings about, rate is like bottomed <laughs> out. Yeah, but the credit savings card, are still yeah. there. I'm not talking about the savings rate. I'm talking about their actual balance sheets. Right? So no, I like, know, but then, but the problem is, like, at work. the same time, if you look at the graph, savings rate goes to like zero, or I don't know if that thing could go yeah, negative or not. Now. It's very low now. It's very. But low then, now. at the same time, credit card debt, outstanding credit card debt, you know, like revolving debt, yeah, is like through the fucking roof. It's it like is. incomplete, it mirrored, but it's well, you, it, it's even it levered to. That's the right. Fall but despite all of rate. that, when the median American household looks at their balance sheet, all time highs. All time highs now. Well, if if also, part of that includes now, their house, it includes house. part of that includes their house. That's a really, that's an illusory it, sense it of health, house, in my opinion. It, and at least as of a little while ago, right? So you're you're right. We might be at a transition point on this, but at least as of say 12 months ago, that also included probably like the highest, you know, the highest cash deposits that they had in a long time too. Yeah. Well, also when people refinanced their mortgages uh, last year or, or 2021 or whatever it was. Dude, like when I refinanced my mortgage, the guy was like, "Hey, how many, uh, how many hundreds of thousands of dollars do you want to, you know, just pull out of your mortgage?" I was like, "What?" He's like, "Oh yeah, like at these rates and your equity, you could like you want you want like a quarter million bucks." I was like, "What?" So 
you know, I, I'm not the kind of guy that would do that, but I'm sure there are plenty of other people out there. So that, that money is just sitting out there and, you know, like people, I, I don't think people are done spending it. Um, yeah, they're definitely not and, done. And, and, and um, yeah, and, and if, you know, serv- if, if savings rates go down, I mean. But they got to pay it back, dude. I think they do, but at two, but at two point seven five percent, like yeah, that's just rolled into the, the mortgage. Back. They still yeah, got to pay the principal back. Right, but, yeah, look, but it's so just in their mortgage. Two point seven five when growth is even, let's say growth is one, okay, and inflation is like still six and a half right now, right? No, like, but if I took two hundred fifty grand out just to take vacations and shit, he's, he's saying if I took a HELOC out or something. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah one yeah, thing exactly. if I. If I put it into an asset like a house or whatever, okay, you yeah. can make an argument for that. I don't totally believe it, but yeah. Yeah, but, but if, if you're, people are if taking hundreds of thousands of dollars I mean, out to buy pickup trucks and vacations, sure. yeah. But but Teen, you, you you like this is this is yeah, that's gonna, gonna, that's gonna stop. Why do we have this even, even first? This is why even with that even with that HELOC, <clears throat> their mortgage their mortgage payment is actually less than it was. Mm-hmm. So they can af- technically afford it if they still have the same job. You know, and they probably got a raise yeah, in the sure, last two years, sure. also. There's international, so, so they have a so they have a fuckload of cash. They have a fuckload of cash. Their mortgage payment went down, and they're still sitting on home equity. Right. And, and, then, look, and they're not underwater on the home equity. There's yet. international evidence for this as well. Like if you look at um, the countries that did the most fiscal stimulus to fill the hole during COVID, are the ones that have experienced the greatest uh, inflationary pressures. Whereas in, if you take the opposite example, East Asia, and it doesn't matter if it's like developed East Asia or, or emerging East Asia, there was much, much, much less fiscal stimulus that was stripped out the door. COVID was handled, well, firstly, savings rates are much higher in East Asia. That's number one. Um, number two, I guess they're just more resistant to use that fiscal lever. And COVID was controlled much more through lockdowns, at least initially, right? Rather than, hey, let's print money. Right? It's, it's almost crazy to think about like, look, you can, you can handle a virus in two ways. You can print money or you can have a lockdown. Um, but that, that's essentially <laughs> it, right? I think the, the inflation rates that you have experienced in East Asia are like really not that different from what they were before. But in the US, you went from 2% to 10 almost, right? Singapore last year, I was just there. I think the inflation rates were like two and a half. Very open economy as well. And they have the same. They they pay the same global oil prices as everybody else. Hong Kong, I think. Was yeah, so why is there why is their inflation so tame? Because there was no fiscal of the, the economies. The economies were weak. The U.S. economy ran very very strong. The U.S. consumer was very very strong, mm. and households in East Asia did not have the benefit of that fiscal stimulus, and they were really not spending like that, right? But I but isn't I thought inflation so it's not like a global phenomenon. It's, it's it, you think it's like I mean, there is because I thought I thought prices. inflation was like if it's tied to supply chains and you know just supply just supply issues generally, then I, I figured that we would see kind of inflation everywhere because we're yeah, sort of yeah, like this right. But you haven't yeah. really. I mean, yes, okay. Uh-huh. Everybody pays for oil. Everybody pays for food, right? And, you know, even the weights of, uh, ironically, the weights of oil and food are going to be higher in a lot of emerging economies than they will necessarily right. in the U.S., right? Right, because they have lower income. That's right. That's right. Uh, the, the, you know, the flip side is like in Europe, Europe has special things going on, right? So just put that aside for a moment. Um, but a lot of inflation is honestly domestic. What is it, like 70, 70 or 75 or 80% of, of the U.S. CPI basket is actually domestic services? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like when you can sit on your couch and order a cheeseburger and it costs you <laughs> fucking $40 to get it delivered. A lot of people are just doing that. And it's, I have to imagine that that has to do with, or that has to contribute to the inflation number, right? Like, <laughs> a lot of people are just doing that. <laughs> yeah, they are. It's like, a, I know, I know, just, I know people. When you said that, I just, just thought of idiocracy or something. Couch I don't know. Yeah, it's fucking crazy, right? Like, I know people yeah. who are still employed or own companies or whatever, and they don't think twice about firing up Grubhub or whatever and mm. ordering some super overpriced food. That's insane and, to me. Like Forty dollars yeah. to get a cheeseburger delivered. I mean, yeah, people are doing it, man. Because it's dude, a very are... YOLO. It, it there's just like no, you know. It's you know. I always thought like if I ran a company, I would pay my employees in cash because you know every you every two weeks like I would just bring like a giant brick of cash and just you know, <laughs> and, and you know I wrap it in a bow and be like I love you. Here you go. <laughs> oh. Like, and then I'd flip it, and so they could smell the cash. You know, it just feels more real. Just, you know what I'm thinking of? Is the money's like, just digits in your phone. You know that picture of Luke Pie and their face with, with the light like, bulb. Smell this. <laughs> that yeah. picture of Luke Pie with a light bulb in his hand. I'm picturing you. Yeah. In that pose. Yeah. But with, but with like a stack of with like a lot of bundles. Yeah. These aren't these aren't singles, baby. This ain't the strip club. Yeah. These are hundreds. <laughs> these are hundreds. <laughs> just slap him across the face with the fucking money <laughs> take it take it Yo, I mean money has it. just become so unreal and so so theoretical that I could see how you know at some level it is it, it is um, like inflation is almost tied to like attitudes or something like that. Well, I, mean, I mean it is right like inflation is I mean, it's it's more of a psychological thing than than anything else. And there is there is definitely that. There is definitely that. It's just so much more yeah. painful to part with money when you have to count level, it. Right? Like, have you have you have have either? I'm I'm curious. Have either of you had the thought of like, I'm gonna buy this thing that I want or maybe need now because it's just gonna cost more later. Uh, not yet, but also I. So. So as you guys know, I sold my company in 2020, late 2021. I bought all the shit that I would possibly need for the next three or four years right before I sold the company because it was because <laughs> I used company money to, <laughs> to buy it and it was all tax deductible or, you know, or just never taxed to begin with. So I, I personally haven't experienced that. Um, and I'm also a single guy. So when I go like to the grocery store, yeah. I'm literally just buying food for the next couple of days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, other other than my prep stuff, which you know, I, I like instant noodles and beans or whatever. But like that's, you know, I mean, I, I, it's I, actually I, the opposite. I I, I kind of think like I'm you know, there's things that I want to buy, but I'm just going to wait. Like a house, I, I feel like I don't feel any rush to purchase real estate. I feel like real estate is not going anywhere. I could be totally wrong, but. I I, I feel like that's so. I, I guess what, what you're saying is like the. Um, well, I wasn't talking. I, I don't think I was talking so much about like these sort of capital assets as much. Yeah, I, you're thinking uh, about a car. Yeah, like a car. Because <laughs> yeah, that's what you're in the market for. <laughs> yeah, because like, I, I myself, like if I just bought a Model S, like ten years ago for a hundred grand, it would be worth like sixty now, or fifty grand now, or something like that, right? It's a good time to buy a Tesla. They've been dropping like a. I mean, it's cheap. Yeah, you you could lease a Tesla now. You could de- lease a Model 
three base for like three fifty or three seventy a month. I, I cannot be seeing such a thing. I can't be seeing such a thing. Remember? <laughs> I'm not saying that you should get the base three. I'm just saying that that's the base price, which is pretty low, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I bought. I bought. Yeah, I bought the car that I wanted when I was making a lot of money before I sold my company, and I'm just yeah, not going to buy a car for. The thing is, you're probably you're, at least. Um, you know, at least uh, if as long as Silicon Valley Bank doesn't become Lehman Brothers too, uh, <laughs> you're probably yeah. okay on that. You know, th- that car has probably not cost you very much in depreciation, if any. Uh, it's a, it's so like the, a fine the, wine. It only gets better with yeah, age, baby. <clears throat> yeah. So I have a used car and a new car. The new car obviously took a took a hit because it was new. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, the used but the used car that I bought has has on. actually gone up in price. Like my truck. Dude, I bought my truck for twenty six grand, and last time I checked, it was selling for fucking forty. Like a yeah, so like crazy, crazy stuff like this, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, car, cars are just fucking expensive. I don't yeah. know what's going on with yeah. them. They're just insanely expensive. Like a Mazda three, is it a Mazda three or the, whatever that hatchback is? Yeah, the little the little one. Yeah, they got yeah, that. You could you could spec that up to like forty grand. I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. fuck? That's expensive these days. It's a Mazda. <clears throat> it's like a small Mazda. Oh yeah. So you you know a little tidbit that I learned uh, last time I was buying a car is, um, the auto unions lobbied, uh, the government to basically relax the rules around auto lending, mm. so that basically. Even if you have total dog shit credit, you can get a loan for a car at any dealership, whether new or used, without without them having to do any kind of like extensive background check, like for a mortgage. Yeah, that's it Carvana's is, fucking business model. Yeah, exactly. So, like the the unions are just like, no, we need to <laughs> we need to we need to move these units. Our special, interest. <laughs> special interest, right? Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. Carvana is, uh, I mean, people think of them as, uh, uh, as like a used car dealer, but their primary business is lending. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, back in 08. The dog shit borrowers. Yeah. The dog shit borrowers. I mean, back in 08, like, you know, GMAC and like all, all these, all these lending outfits that were. Oh yeah. They attached. were hardcore. They'd actually, they'd actually ask you for, um, documents. <laughs> <They'd> be <laughs> like, do you have a job? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's funny. Like a, a lot of these, a lot of these uh, attached financial outfits, like got spun off after the GFC because it was it was just a little too uh, too cozy, a little too cozy. Yeah, yeah. GE was big in that too, right? Yeah, GE Capital was a big one. Yeah. Now it's. It, I mean, they it, the the car loan thing is just so dog shit. It's crazy. The oh. other thing that I don't that I worry about is like commercial real estate. Bro, like Manhattan's still only like 50% like packed. Oh, there's there's like okay. billion dollar projects I think defaulting out here in LA. More it's than, crazy. More than just commercial real estate is like that all of private equity, I think, is in a potential spot of trouble, right? Like a lot of the LBO model is basically, was basically turbo, completely turbocharged by zero interest rates. You go, yeah. you issue debt, in a world where yields are zero and credit spreads are really tight and you lever the shit out of something that works when treasury, when like, you know, treasuries five years and in are below one, but now, well, they're much higher now. They're much, much higher now. Well, yeah. Those funds don't also don't have to report their, 
They don't have to report the market, market, right? Yeah. Because there is no fucking market. (laughs) There's no market until you sell the damn thing. That's right. But it's, it's, it's like, we've only had one year so far of rising interest rates. So they can kind of paper over and say like, oh yeah, you know, business conditions are fine and we're not going to, we're just going to market flat. Right. If things drag on for three years, that's going to be like the longest down cycle in, in human memory. Right. We haven't had a cycle in private equity yet. This might be the first. You, you gotta wonder. You gotta wonder if, like, raising rates from like five percent to ten percent is a much more modest thing than raising rates from zero percent to five. Well, yeah, on a percentage uh, basis. Yes, the, delta uh, basis. It is. is yeah, yeah there's on a delta bit, but also at five percent, there is still, uh, there is still, you know, like borrowing discipline. Right, like you still got to pass, you still got to pass the five percent benchmark in terms of like the return on your, you know, whatever capital investment you borrowed for or whatever. Right? Yeah. Uh, But at zero percent, at zero percent, there's there's literally no, there's no, there's not even, you know, I think I feel like at zero percent, there isn't even the bar of zero percent. You could do unprofitable. You could go negative on the return. And it doesn't matter because you just borrow more to cover it up because it's, it's yeah. just free fucking money. So I feel like when you get to zero, your whole economy just hits like a divide by zero error and, <laughs> and just crazy shit happens. And to go from zero to five feels like a much bigger shift than like five to ten. I feel like five to ten, it's like a not well, it's like a kind of linear progression or something. Well, but zero yeah, to so five is like a qualitative phase from, shift. From five to ten, a viable business will be able to survive just by cost cutting. Hmm. From yeah. zero to five, that <laughs> invalidates like the, the business that invalidates entire at, business models. The kinds yeah. of businesses that came up at zero are just like dog shit, right? So it's just a different kind of company. Yeah, and, and now that we're putting that to the test, it's kind of scary because you don't know which one. Like, you would have thought that it would be like, uh, you know, some some totally overlevered startup that you know whatever. Turns out it's the fucking neighborhood bank <laughs> that goes belly yes. up. Yes. Yeah. that's the scary part. You have no idea who it's going to be. You know, uh, so I mean, yeah. Speaking of neighborhood banks, I wonder. Yeah, I want. I wonder if this is going to start morphing into like a local like kind of like the snl crisis of the 80s yeah where it's the possible. smaller banks just get fucking hammered yeah well it's far from just svb right isn't what was, there's another one in first the republic. news first, first republic first republic and, and, then and also signature bank signature yeah and then what, what was this it was silvergate but that was a crypto well, silvergate, silvergate was kind of went silvergate yeah, was more like transactional Right, like okay. they weren't. Yeah, they they were, they, they were a uh, they were a, like a cl- almost like a clearinghouse network for yeah. crypto firms. Oh, okay, okay. And yeah. their their market cap was under ten billion, I think. Right. So, so they, 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 they weren't smaller. they weren't systemic. Yeah, but yeah, but I mean, I just wonder like how many, you know, like 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 smaller regional banks or specialty banks that you know do stuff in agriculture or niche industries. I mean, it's going to be tough, right? And okay, so here, here's an interesting thing. There's, there's also a bunch of non-bank, quote-unquote, banks yeah. that do specialty equipment financing. Like we work with a bunch mm-hmm. of these kind of, kind of people in California. There's a bunch based out of Orange County, and they follow the same business model of borrowing short and lending long. Um, 
and they're not really banks. They're going, they're going direct to small companies that need capital asset financing requirements or have uh, financing requirements mainly for like leasing equipment. And that worked great when I was in business for, you know, like leasing equipment at super low interest rates. Like I think we're paying like three or 4% as a subprime borrower because we just were a new company. But I mean, once you, once you put the spread on top of that, on top of the risk-free rate, I mean, these little companies and little bank or little financing outfits are going to be trying to finance deals at like eight, nine, 10% interest. And it's going to, it's just, in, it's got to yeah, be in, painful work, into yeah. a suppressed economy too. Yeah, exactly. into a suppressed economy, which is yeah. the which is the really fucked up part of this whole thing. The stagflation aspect is like you're raising rates to cool an economy that's really not that hot. <laughs> you know, like might be so, it, I mean, you can say it's it's hot on the inflation angle, but not not so much on the on the real growth angle. That, yeah, exactly. Right. I don't believe who's it hot for, right? Like that's the. Question. I think that I think that they're just they're they're over emphasizing for political reasons hot economic indicators and so they're giving the impression that we're having a hot economy and we've got to cool it down but i don't think that's the issue i don't really th- i don't really feel like we're in a very hot economy um but yeah, yeah. i mean I, yeah i think nominally just inflation is providing the illusion that things are hot but really people are just treading water i, I think it's i think it's also because that unemployment number hasn't unemployment hasn't, is very well yeah, i think it's it very up, low uh i think it ticked up yeah, it's it's yeah, it's low, but man, like the, the way that they calculate the unemployment rate is so yes. fucking yeah, janky, it's, right? It's, like, very, it's also very subject to seasonal adjustments and, and whatever. Yeah, that, like so they're adjusting shit, and also they don't count people who are just like despondent and like not yeah. looking for work and like all this stuff. It's it's just it's such a nonsense number. I, I don't I don't I don't know how much. Anyways, guys, I I am going to go and patronize a business that's definitely going to survive at five and even ten percent interest rates, and that's going to be McDonald's. Uh, very nice. <laughs> and then I'm going to have, Mickey D's. Uh, have some meetings this afternoon, yeah. so I'll um, speak to you guys later. All right. Have fun, man. Mickey D's just hits different when you're overseas. I know. It, oh, it yeah. Yeah. Mickey it's D's be- it's better. So much better. Just better. Get some dumplings. I'm all this way, and I'm going to McDonald's, and I'm not. It tastes hey. better overseas. No. I don't know why. It just yeah, man, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a proud patron of the Mickey D's in, uh, in Rome. Everyone... Um, Everyone hates on it, but I, I think it I think it has value when you're overseas. You just want some you, sometimes you, you just you want, want some eggs. Familiar? Something familiar yeah. <laughs> with just like a little bit of with just like a little bit of yeah. local Also, food. hey, hit up the uh, hit up the KFC in Asia. That shit oh, is I will. legit. I will. I will. Legit. All right. See you guys later. <laughs> All right. See you, man. Bye, man. See you. Right. Good rest of your trip. Yeah. Thanks. Bye bye. Uh all right. Um what do you think, man? more to talk about or, or yeah, I, I could yeah. keep going for a little bit. I mean, I don't know, man. Like, okay. So I'll, I'll just give you a concrete example. Um, when I was running the company before I sold it, like, okay, let's say we needed to finance a million dollars of computer gear. Right. Mm-hmm. We would, and this is in a near zero rate environment. We would just literally hit up the loan or uh, hit up the lender, say, Hey, we need to buy X, Y, Z. Um, uh, is this cool? And they'd be like, yeah, just send us the invoice. And then we email our equipment vendor and he would send over an invoice and I would just forward it to the finance people. And we didn't even touch the money, right? Like it wasn't, it wasn't like a, uh, it, w- it wasn't a, uh, it wasn't like a bank loan where they just give you an account with a million bucks in it. Mm-hmm. The finance, the, the, the quote unquote 
bank would send the money for the invoice straight to the equipment vendor. Right. And then we would just pay a monthly bill. And mm. it was pretty reasonable. Like these, these are like 36 month or 48 month amortized loans. And at like one or two or 3% risk free, you know, we're paying four or 5%. That was workable. We could like get the monthly down to something where, you know, we could, we could work with the customer and like get, get things to a very reasonable rate. But if dude, but dude, if, you could do if, that. You could do that with like twelve dollar purchases now online. Yeah, it's cr- like yeah, buy now, pay later, right? <laughs> yeah. So, but but if dude, if if the interest rates go up by double or mm-hmm. more, like that business model just completely breaks. Mm-hmm. So I I what, am your monthly cons- because your monthly price costs would be too high or yeah, it balloons by like double, mm-hmm. right? Because it's yeah. mainly interest. Like it's mm-hmm. you know it's all front loaded, just like a mortgage. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, only it, the most profitable, you know, scenario would, would then, I mean, mm-hmm. or basically like in order to justify financing equipment in a higher interest rate, you've got to have a higher profit margin. You've got to have a higher yeah, profit margin. You have, to be, you have to be delivering higher value in services Yeah. on top of the thing that you're selling them yeah. that, that requires physical financing. Yeah. And that naturally means there's less businesses that can do it because most mm-hmm. businesses aren't, or there's, as you go up the profitability ladder, there's obviously fewer and fewer companies that can, Yeah, you know, you, you, you have to, you have to have ex- actual expertise and know what you're doing, which is not a lot of people these days. So, yeah. um, so I, I'm kind of, you know, con- a little bit concerned about the people who bought my business and are now running it. Cause I don't know if they're going to be able to like finance deals. Mm-hmm. You know, at fucking two years at what, four, you know, 4.9, 5%. I mean, I, I think it dropped today by maybe 50 basis points or whatever, but you know, like two, three year, like that's the hurdle, right? Like for these lenders to, to beat or else why the hell would anyone invest money and, in these? Yeah. And at the same time, you're, they're raising rates because the, uh, I, I don't know about computers, but the things that they're buying are supposedly getting more expensive too. So not only have to pay more to finance, but they got to pay more for the thing. They got to borrow more to afford it. Yeah. Begin with. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. Um, well, like everything's just, just going the wrong way. Like nothing, there's no, it's all headwind now. Yeah. You know? Everything's going the wrong way. And yeah. there's like, okay, the last, I mean, the last time I financed a deal, the thing that we had to worry about was like, there was a flood or like a rain, like a like a like a, a, a monsoon, or a or a typhoon, or whatever the fuck you call it in <laughs> Thailand, uh-huh. where they like made all of the hard drives. <laughs> oh shit! Okay. And so we're like, oh, okay, uh, yeah, this deal has to be put off for like a month or whatever. Well, supply chains catch up, mm-hmm. but but now that's like everything. Yeah. And also prices are going up, and interest rates are going up. Like it's 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 like a three way. You know, it's, it's, it's a three like way. A, it's a, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a, a three way. Three way, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the bad so, kind, I, not the good kind. Yeah, like I don't, I don't, I don't understand how, I don't understand how a lot of small companies are going to survive this, other than just steady state. You know, yeah. luckily for us. Oh, and here, okay. So I have another theory on why prices are going up. So much of this economy today is also based on monthly recurring costs or monthly recurring revenues. Yes. So I noticed that a lot of businesses are really built around that. Yeah, so it's and, not it's not like you have to it's not like you have to make the money once. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, an MRC is going to keep going 
until something really bad happens and the customer, whether it's business to business or business to consumer, experiences some kind of shock, in which case they're going to cut their monthly recurring spend. You mean, for example, that you don't get into the exercise bike uh, game by selling exercise bikes. You get into it by selling an exercise bike that requires a subscription. A, a $50 a month subscription. $50 a month subscription. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. multiply that by cloud computing, which is huge. Yeah. Massive. Multiply that by Netflix, Amazon, fucking mm-hmm. Hulu, whatever. Uh, I mean, dude, everything, like everything, like even, dude, even the, uh, the charting software I use for looking at stunks, it, it, you know, it costs me like 10 bucks a month or whatever. So, yeah. so like this stuff is just, it just lubricates, uh, you know, it lubricates the inflation because people are just spending money without even knowing it. And then also the $40 yeah, auto cheeseburgers. pay your bills. Yeah. You I don't even know bills. what you're paying for anymore. You don't even know what you're paying for. Combine that with like $40 fucking delivery cheeseburgers and, you know, you're going to pay whatever it costs to buy milk at the grocery. Yeah. What you and you, and not, no one ever sees cash. They don't see money. They, they yeah, just, just hear a little just, bell that goes ding. Yeah. It's That's just it. numbers and it's just numbers in, in a system that show yeah. up on your screen if you care to look, which yeah. a lot of which people just people don't, don't even, even care. Look. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people don't even look. So, I mean, I, I think, again, like all of this stuff is just feeding into the inflation cycle that we're in right now yeah all right you want to close it out by uh, i don't know like what what are people supposed to do like how how do you prepare because in <sighs> my in my my feeling is like you want to find a way to protect yourself against I, I you can't there's no need to protect yourself against egg price inflation in my opinion right like no you just you know, you're gonna buy the eggs you're gonna like, buy the eggs and maybe eat eggs. less eggs or whatever sure but I think yeah. you've got to protect yourself on the housing front you've got to find a way somehow to not be uh not be subject to the whims of a landlord who could just like raise your rent like willy nilly you know um if you could get yourself into like a if you can buy, I feel like it is probably good to start thinking about buying at some point. If especially if you're if you've got more cash, um, you know, try to borrow less, and or you know, try to get. I don't know if you can try to find like a rent a rent stabilized apartment or something. I don't know that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, in in large cities, generally the rent control laws are they apply to older buildings, um, and. You know, I mean, obviously, when when you when somebody moves out and you move in, the rent control resets. So, you know, I mean, do that if you can. I would say that. Uh, I mean, it's 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 really hard, man. Like, you know, I've I've done fairly well for myself, and I'm I'm kind of at a loss as what to do for the next couple of years. You know, like I don't I don't think. Um, I mean, dude, I I think just adjusting your spending down has got to, has got to be number one, right? Like don't buy the $40 delivery cheeseburger. Um, like resist yeah. that temptation because if you have an income and you know, you're, you're getting a paycheck every two weeks or whatever, it's really tempting just to, just to get that $40 delivery, but you know, go, go pick it up instead. Go le- learn how to cook like all this stuff, right? Like, yeah. The only because ultimately the only thing you could do, I feel like the only thing you can really do is build up a cash buffer right now. I, build I up know. a cash buffer as much as you can. Um, 
And I don't know, just like stop, <clears throat> stop trying to compete with people on how much money you can spend. <laughs> like this was, yeah. this was something that like actually started happening in the last four or five years, right? Like people started competing on how much fucking money they could spend. And it's like, okay. That's like but horny. Was, that's a horny mode. Everyone's trying to impress everyone because they yeah, want to exactly. get laid or they want to, they, you know, they and, want to show off and it's. Uh, you know, I, and I, I feel like that was fine in 2016, 17, 18, but then COVID hit and then all this financial fuckery started happening and, you know, weird bubble dynamics started appearing and, you know, it's, it, it's, it's basically, basically this shit is just cyclical, right? Like we're going into a down cycle and for people who don't know how a down cycle works, you got to learn quick. You got to cut back spending. You got to be a little smarter about things. If you, if you retain your job, start building your cash buffer and just assume that things are going to be really bad for maybe two to three years. If you lost your job, you know, you might not, you might not be able to get another job that pays as much for a while. So just don't assume that things are going to go back to normal. I don't think they are. And I mean, dude, like banks are failing, right? So it's, it's not just like, I think people got to let go of the, um, because you know, like one thing that came out of, of COVID was sort of work from home, remote work was, it, it still is, I think, seen as a, as kind of a status symbol. Yeah, maybe not quite a status symbol so much as like being very fortunate, and it's very desirable to have a high-paying job where you don't ever have to even go into the office and you can live in. You know, it's that's let, let's face it, like that's that that's that was that was a dream, right? Yeah, it's a and lot I think of it still is kind of. Yeah, I think that my and now I'm back in the office three days a week. I was fully remote, and I I, I got to say I think that right now is the time where you you know as more people are pushing along this like you know. I want to. I want to prioritize sort of personal time. I want to minimize. I want to maximize lifestyle. I want to whatever. I think that that's a trap right now. <laughs> I think. I think in a way, if you know that those blast doors are closing, you should probably be on the inside rather than the outside. Meaning, like, if you can be on the inside of the company, if you can go to a place where they're, you know, they kind of want you in there and. Yeah. You know, I think you might want to, you know, people might consider that. I was very averse to this. I took it because I was like significant, you know, it was a, it was a bump in comp. And I was like thinking along your lines, like how long is this whole thing going to last? Like how much longer is this industry even going to exist, you know, <laughs> before the whole thing comes tumbling down? So I'm just chasing comp. I, I guess what I'm saying is I'm chasing compensation. I don't really care about lifestyle. Yeah, I mean, maximize your compensation and also, you know, um, there's a saying that downturns are the time to build, right? So if you're if you're fortunate to have enough of a cash buffer to like just do something that allows you to participate in the building of something that, that will pay off in two or three years, you should do that. So you mean you like know, a like a startup kind of thing? Either or? either a startup or just your own consulting or finding like getting a job where you have to go into the office and they're like, you know, fortifying, um, or 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 you know are, are, are on the beneficiary side of this downturn. Like you may you might be. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I that. mean, it makes sense. It you might know? it makes sense, right? Because it's like 
you know, one, it's probably easier to hire. There's probably more people out there that are like willing to to take a risk because they don't they don't really, they can't find another job or they don't want to. Uh, and two, like the big the big tech companies seem to be preoccupied and in sort of like shrink, sort of like starvate, like you know. Um, they're not as rapacious as they used to be. I feel well, like. they're they're in earnings protection mode. Earnings protection mode, where they're not in expansion yeah. mode. Yeah, and so I I feel like that. I don't know. I mean, I'm I don't know anything about tech, but I, I gather that that makes it. You know, those are favorable things for people. Well, who want to do a startup? Uh, what do you mean? To, to to have the one the big tech companies not being in expansion mode. Oh yeah, and and two. You know, well, so just talent. basically outcompeting you, despite the fact that they're losing money, and 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 taking over every niche, every possible niche they're they're trying to get their fingers into, and then yeah, number so two is sucking up all the talent. All the talent, yeah. I was going to say that yeah. the, the talent aspect is the I think the most important part because if you can if you can uh, get a couple of good engineers on your team. That is worth more than a million dollars in cash. Right. Yeah. If you can't get good people, right? Yeah, and wasn't or, it the case? I feel like a lot of these fang companies, they were hiring like top talent simply to deprive everyone else of their services. Yeah, they were they were putting them on bullshit assignments. Yeah, to, just so that you couldn't have them. <laughs> yeah, and and this is not a conspiracy theory, right? Like Google uh-huh. and Apple, and and I think a couple of other, maybe Microsoft, they were they were implicated in a. a I believe it was an FTC investigation where maybe not FTC or I don't know, some federal agency where they were price fixing on salaries. Right. And they had like these weird backroom agreements to not pay more than X, you know, uh-huh. dollars. And, a and year then they saddle whatever. you with non competes and all this shit. And yeah, well, in California, that's not really a thing, but, oh, okay. um, but in that's other good. states, it probably was. Yeah. But after that, so that, so you can look it up. After that was, exposed engineer and just general comp just went through the fucking roof. So oh, it was, oh, because they broke up the cartel. Yeah. They broke up the cartel on salaries. Oh, okay. Wow. I see. And then, so that that's when like, you know, senior engineer comp went from like under 200,000 to like over $400,000 a year. Jesus Christ. Yeah, dude. It's, it, I was shocked. Know. Cause I heard when Google was laying off that they, you know, they started coming, like they started doing more reporting around comp, and they were like the average, average comp at Google. I don't know if it's salary or comp, but I Google's not as big on stock, right? As it, like Amazon. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't uh, they're, they're all. It's all about the same. It's all about the same. Okay, but their their average comp was like three hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, it's across high. the company. <laughs> yeah, it's high, dude. That's fu- yeah. for average for a company three hundred thousand. Holy shit! We're not talking about yeah. senior product guys you know senior developers or whatever no this is yeah, as, long, as long as the average comp is, le- is less than the average revenue per employee you know you're, that <laughs> you're is <making> money. <laughs> so crazy high i couldn't believe it um yeah, dude, there's a reason why shit house you know or shitty houses in silicon valley are three million bucks man like people can people can afford it until they can't yeah that's the thing you earn the big bucks but your it life goes sucks. Right out the door. Yeah, it it, right your out life the door. sucks because everything's yeah. fucking t- you know so much more expensive. There's no, there is no free lunch, I guess, when it comes to it. You can't. It's not what you make. It's how much more you make than everyone else around you. And if everyone's making average three hundred k, that's not that's not really good news in a way. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's how much. Well, it's it's how much you can keep, right? Yeah, 
I, I think or, that's or, what or, the work from home dream was. Was like, well, I get to keep my 300k scaled for Silicon Valley, but then I'll find some like private little niche where everyone around me makes you know twenty thousand dollars. I'll be the right yeah, fucking the, the, king. This was the uh, the Boise, Idaho, and fucking Phoenix, Arizona, and <laughs> you know all that. That was that phenomenon, but it barely it worked because there were only so many cities that were acceptable for these people to live in, and they immediately drove the price up overnight, like at Austin or whatever. Yeah, because all that stuff is set on the margin. So if yeah. some asshole from California comes in and buys a house for five hundred k, that's your new that's market actually price. worth. That's actually worth three hundred k. Yeah, that's the new market price. That's the new market price. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Fuck oh man. All right. Uh, should we call it there? It's almost an hour and a half. Yeah, that works. Very good discussion. Uh, uh, all right. So we'll be back next week for another episode of Escape from Plan A. All right. See y'all. Okay. Thanks. Bye.